Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Daydon Tolbert Show. I am your host, Daydon Tolbert. This is Ask Daydon Advice Mondays, the return of Ask Daydon Advice Mondays. It's actually been a little while since uh, I've been back live on a, on a Monday. And, you know, for those of you who may not know, you know, our history, you know, that actually was one of the, the flagship shows that, you know, that we started way, way, you know, way back when, Ask Daydon Advice Mondays, Barbershop Talk Tuesdays, Beauty Shop Talk Wednesdays, Celebrity Thursdays, and then uh, Keeping It Real Fridays. And then we even went on to add, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live. And so um, this is, you know, one of those shows that is going to be a shorter show. It's not really going to be, you know, elongated show. I was actually live on uh, on this past Friday. And so hopefully everyone tuned in to my special on the Terrence Crutcher shooting the riots that are, you know, have been going on over in the Charlotte area and just going through the whole, um, you know, the whole thing, you know, just, you know, looking at that, that case from a legal perspective, um, from an, from an emotional standpoint, you know, just an absolute tragedy, um, you know, talking about things in our community that we can work on to hopefully, avoid those types of situations from happening, as well as preventing other types of violence from, you know, happening in our community. You know, we know that violence as a whole is, you know, is really at an all-time high around the country. And, um, you know, so I just want to continue my um, my Saving Our Children special. You know, it's been going on for the last several years, actually. You know, many of you have heard you know, the specials that I've done on, you know, Tamir Rice, Sandra Bland, Mike Brown, you know, all those 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 tragedies, Trayvon Martin. And um, I just wanted to continue that. So hopefully everyone got a chance to, you know, check it out. I've been getting some good feedback about it. And, uh, you know, hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, like I said, though, today I want to just get back to, um, you know, what, what I haven't been doing a lot of lately now that I think about it. There's been so much going on around the around the world, around the country, um, you know, with, with race and, you know, so many other issues. Um, I haven't spent a lot of time doing, you know, talking about relationships and, and, and doing um, asked on, you know, ad, advice, you know what I mean? And so I wanted to do a little bit of that today for a little bit. Um, but I noticed that, um, and hopefully you guys are all, you know, aware that there is a, uh, you know, there's an election coming up. Right, the election is coming up, and there is today, tonight, is the is the actually the first uh, debate uh, between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, and um, hopefully everyone's gonna you know check it out because you know the media, and this is one of the things that I one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about um, discussing politics is because you know the media propaganda that exists, it doesn't make for um, you know, it's just, it's just overwhelming. You know, they have this agenda, pushing this agenda, and so what they're doing is they're really trying to take away people's ability to think for themselves, people's ability to make decisions for themselves. You know, it's, you know, they're pushing the narrative of, you know, Donald Trump is just racist, and if you don't vote, then it's you know you're 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 supporting you know violence and just all this stuff that. It's really ridiculous, you know, to be quite honest with you. And so I want people to, and I'm not telling, I don't, you know, tell people who to vote. I don't tell people to vote. You know, that's your decision. But all I encourage people to do is make that decision with thought. 
You know, make that decision with rationalization as opposed to this, this you know, brainwashing that the media is so good at doing. You know, people, they, they say jump, everyone says how high. You know, whether it's these tragedies and, you know, whether it's the, the politics, whether it's so many different, you know, terrorist stuff. It's like we feed off of whatever they want us to, you know, feed off of at that moment. You know, and, it's, and people are going crazy about it. And so I just kind of sit back like, yo, I, I'm a thinker. I'm not going to react just because you say to react. I mean, you know, people are killed every day in this country. You know, the media picks and chooses who they want to tell you about that got killed. I mean, really think about that, guys. Think about it. People are killed every day, all day, every single day of the year. You know, what makes one person's death, you know, more important than someone else's death, right? And so really just think about that and, and understand, you know, what exactly media propaganda is. All right, so like I said, um, one of the things I wanted to do today also is, um, you know, as far as the election goes is not just tell you to watch the, the uh, this, this debate, you know, but I wanted to go over some, some, some very specific points that you can look out for, that you should be looking out for tonight in order to think about things from your own perspective you know, from an independent thinking perspective, you know what I mean? Not just, oh, I'm just going to watch it with all these preconceived determinations about, you know, what Hillary Clinton's about or what Donald Trump is about, you know, but no, like actually, you know, let's look at the real issues, right? And let's look at what, what issues are important. And then let's see, let's watch them and see how they respond to those issues. And then hopefully those can be, the things that you use as a determination about who you want to support. Because for me, I've, I, I always base what I, what I think about people off of what they tell me and what I see for myself. I'm not just going to take someone's, someone's opinion for it and someone's word for something. No, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I watched all the, you know, the preliminary debates, you know, the primaries and all that. I watched all that. I listened to a lot of these one-on-one meet the press interviews to see like, all right, yo, what are you really talking about? Not the CNN 30-second soundbite that they want to push. And so I want to, you know, just for a few minutes, just go over a couple of things. And then we can, like I said, get into a little bit of a Ash State on the Vice Hour, and then y'all can get back to work. And, you know, and, uh, and, and you know, this, what do y'all think about this lunch hour? I really like it. And I told you guys I really like it. It works for me. Hopefully it works for you guys. It allows me to be able to do some things, spend a little bit more time with my family. You guys can continue to listen um, however you listen, whether it's on iTunes, your cell phones, Facebook, whatever, uh, the website. But, yeah, this is this is cool. So so the debate is tonight, right? It's tonight at 9 o'clock on NBC. Now, a couple of things that I would encourage people to listen, you know, for and watch out for is that, you know, Hillary Clinton is, you know, she has been – Really, well, she's been under investigation for these, you know, for basically lying about her emails, her email usage, all right, her government emails. She's been under investigation for not only lying about them, but, you know, deleting many emails, thousands of emails. And now it's it's coming out and has been coming out, uh, you know, the contents of those emails. And a lot of the stuff that's been coming out is, you know, it has been, you know, top secret stuff, classified information, um, stuff that you know just should not be uh, discussed at all and shared. And so that's what she has been 
uh, under fire for. So I would say when you watch the, the debate, hopefully she will be questioned about that. Hopefully that will be brought up. I really want people to see, like, wow, you know, because her, her whole thing is you can't trust her. That is like, okay, Donald Trump's a racist, but Hillary, you know, she lies, she can't be trusted. I, and I agree with the fact that she can't be trusted. So I would rather, pe- I want people to, to watch that and be like, mm, is she, does she, you know, pray about it. You know, really pray about it and ask yourself, like, yo, is she lying? Or, you know, is she not? Ask God for discernment. Like, you know, what, what do I, do I feel like she's being uh, genuine? You know, and most likely you will find that she's not. You know, because you can't be genuine about something that you're, you've lied about and you've been dishonest about. And so I'd also encourage people to, you know, look at this whole Benghazi situation. If, you, if you're if you not familiar with it, maybe watch the movie uh, 13 Hours and, um, you know, maybe uh, do some research on, you know, what it was, what her role in it was, you know, the, the dishonesty that ensued after, the, you know, the whole thing, the aftermath. You know, check that out. Um, you know, so those will be, and you know, those are some of the major, hopefully going to be the major talking points uh, uh, tonight on her side. Uh, <clears throat> definitely, uh, you know, keep an eye out for those. But then aside from that, now from a, because another thing that shapes, you know, my views and my opinions uh, are, you know, for, are obviously from a spiritual standpoint, right? You know, and, and this is, I think, something that's lost, or not, I think it's, it's definitely lost in the media. You know, they don't spend a lot of time talking about spiritually based issues. You know, and uh, and they, that's done on purpose because they want to. They want to totally. They want to distract you from that. You know, they want. You know, they'll, you look at you know Hillary Clinton. She has. She's going for the black vote, right? Well, if you look at the black vote, it's kind of hard to get the black vote by, you know, superseding. The, the black church, right? I mean, you know, you, if you piss off the black church, it's going to be very hard to get the black, the majority of the black vote. That's why you see a lot of these candidates on both sides in these churches because they know that the black vote is, is very important um, in regards to the black church. And so if, you're, if we're talking about the church, you've got to ask yourself, like, all right, well, you know, how, how does this candidate, feel about certain faith-based issues, you know, you know, teachings of the Bible, you know, homosexuality, um, abortion, uh, you know, trans, you know, the whole transgender thing. And these are things that obviously, you know, the, the black church should not be supporting. If you're, if your pastor supports any of those things, you, you probably need to find a new church. And so if you wouldn't follow a pastor who supports gay marriage, transgender rights, you know, homosexuality, you know, it's hard for me to understand why someone would support a political candidate who is in favor of these things, especially when there there are other options available. You know, but these are just things that are important to me. If if spiritually-based issues are not your, like, what's what's most important to you or important to you at all, then you vote how you feel. But I'm just, these are just some, some points to look out for if you're a Christian, if you're in the church, if you you know, are looking for a candidate whose views tend to mesh, you know, with your own. All right, so that's uh, it on a on the uh, Hillary Clinton side. Now, on the Donald Trump side, obviously, he's got a lot of stuff with him. He's made some some very 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 um, you know harsh statements, uh, many inappropriate statements. 
situ- you know, statements that, you know, were, were probably in bad taste. Um, and so I would say, you know, if you're, if you are, you know, if you are not sure who you want to vote for, you just want to kind of see for yourself, I would encourage you just to watch him and see if you hear and see some of those same types of statements. If you, you know, see what he says about having made certain statements, um, you know, obviously the media has embellished a lot of things, but I would, you know, I would like to just see how he, you know, maintains his cool in those types of situations when being asked, you know, about certain things that he said. So definitely do that. Um, you know, there's this whole Mexico thing, which which was absolutely, you know, just totally taken out of context, 100% ridiculous. You know, he said some things about Mexico, the same thing that I've actually said myself about Mexico, the same thing that I've actually said myself about uh, criminals in the black community. I mean, the reality is, I mean, I just did a whole show on it. We got to get out of this, guys. We got to, you know, we got to start keeping it real. And that's not to say Donald Trump keeps it real about everything, but, you know, are there are there criminals who come over illegally across the border? Of course. You know, are, are there Mexicans who are rapists who come to this country and cause problems and commit crimes? Absolutely. Are, are there, you know, is there a big Mexican drug problem? Of course. Do a lot of those people come over here illegal? Illegally? Yes, of course. And that's what was said. You know, never did I say or never did Donald Trump, I've heard anyone say, all Mexicans are rapists, all Mexicans. You know, I've never heard anyone say that. I've certainly never heard Donald Trump say that. In fact, I've heard him say the opposite. But absolutely, we need to protect our border. Absolutely, we need to build a wall, or if not build a wall, at least some have some type of secure system in place for securing the border. Now, you know, whether that's a wall, whether that's not a wall, like, I don't know, but I know it will be a whole heck of a lot better than, what, you know, what's there now and what's there over the last, what's been there over the last eight years under this current administration. And so, you know, I would really encourage people to to watch, to see, okay, you're fine, you don't agree with Donald Trump, you know, and his stance on immigration. Well, what's Hillary Clinton's stance on immigration? What does she plan to do to secure the borders? You know, we, I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard her say, hey, this is what I plan on doing to secure our border, to keep criminals out. I haven't heard that. So that the, those are some things, and whether you agree, whether you disagree, these are some things that we should all be watching out for. Don't just watch just to watch because you want to be entertained. Like, really watch with the thought of, the, you know, they, these views, they, their answers and responses are going to be what shapes my vote, if, if you choose to participate at all. And if you don't, I have no problem with that whatsoever for, for reasons that I've named, you know, many times over the last several years. Um, so, so there's that. Look out for specific policies. Um, Donald Trump has been criticized for saying, okay, I'll do this and I'll do that, but he's not really being specific. You know, he's not really saying exactly what he plans on doing. There have been questions on is he even, you know, familiar? Does he even understand a lot of the uh, foreign policy, you know, and, and let me just say my personal views. I mean, you know, and I think, do I think that's a problem? Uh, yes, I think that he has a lot to learn about foreign policy and about the war and different, you know, but, you know, at the end of the day, we, you know, I think we all do. And I, I think that, you know, um, I think that that's it. Whoever's president will put themselves in a, 
situation where they're surrounded by the best legal minds. Barack Obama had zero experience in that when he came in, but he put himself, he surrounded himself with the top generals and advisors and things like that. So I think it's important to understand that that's what any president is going to do. Now, Hillary Clinton, on the other hand, guys, I just want people to understand. Yes, does she have more experience? Yes, but she, you got to understand, like, and this is where the problem, because this is where it becomes problematic, because people don't really understand what that experience entails. Hillary Clinton has experience with, she was Secretary of State, but look at the, look at the world. Look at the job that she's done. Look at the state, our relations with, so, with everyone. It's horrible. You know, the, the relationship with Russia, Russia has deteriorated. Things with Iran have escalated. North Korea has escalated. Every, we're like at the brink of war with everybody. You know, every, terrorism is at an all-time high. I mean, it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, yeah, you've been doing this job, but you know what I'm saying? Like, what have you done that, that's been beneficial for this country? And so these are things that both candidates, guys, uh, should have to answer for, and uh, and we should be using their answers and responses to really shape, you know, shape our opinions, you know, and definitely, you know, I'll be online tonight, you know, and um, you know, next time I'm live here on the show, we will, you know, we can talk about it. I'll, you know, do like a, you know, post debate recap. Um, but yeah, man, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. They're, they're saying it's going to be something like. Super Bowl type numbers, like ninety plus million people watching the debate. You know, as it should be. You know, and that's that's what I'm I'm hoping. I'm hoping that we watch it. You know what I'm saying? I'm hoping that we actually, like black people, actually watch it because we don't historically do that. Like I can't I can't tell you how many blacks, you know, I talked to during the primaries. I'm like, yo, cause I'm excited. My wife will tell you, like I I taped the I taped all the debates. So even if I couldn't watch it live, I I would come home late and watch it, watch it the next morning. You know, so I watched every single debate, you know, Democratic and Republican. And, you know, I would ask them, like, yo, what you think about the debate last night? No, nah, I ain't watched that. Okay, well, dang. But you, like, so you you don't like the Democrats, or you don't like the Republicans, but you, like, what are you basing that off of? You didn't even watch the, the debate. So hopefully people will actually watch and, and not just follow the, the, the media's, the media's lead. All right. What else is going on out here? Um, you know, I had a, you know, on a different note, you know, I had a very positive uh, experience um, this morning. And I post about it. A lot of people have been commenting and things like that. But, um, you know, you hear so much in, in today's society about, you know, uh, police, you know, obviously with Terrence, Terrence Crusher, you know, uh, Philando Castile, Alton Sterling, you know, all those, these, these names, you know, and, and these unfortunate incidents, you know, with police, you, you know, it's, it's just a very negative, <clears throat> you know, stench in the air, so to speak, um, when you mention police officers, but, you know, I ha- I've had some good ex- experiences. I have I've had some bad experiences, you know, but this morning I had an experience and it wasn't anything, you know, major, but you know it was it was nice, and I felt like you know what, let me, you know, let me share it, you know. And basically, this is where you know I, I dropped my daughter off. She she started kindergarten, so I drop her off at school. Now the school that you know she goes to, it's it's 
you know, it's in a, a an environment where there's not a lot of parking. There's not like a big parking lot. So a lot of people, everyone's dropping their kids off around the same time. So there's very little, you know, if any parking. And so, um, you know, I pulled over into the space. It wasn't even a, a no parking space. It was like a, a bus drop-off lane there. And I put my flashers on. And, um, you know, I was there for maybe five, ten minutes, dropped her off, said goodbye. And, um, you know, I came back. And it was almost, I saw the cops sitting there. The cops saw me sitting there when I dropped her off and get out. Like, so he didn't say anything to me. Like, yo, yo, you can't park. But, uh, you know, I, I parked there. So I come back, and when I'm pulling out, you know, he just, he honks at me. He just, you know, rolls the window down like, yo, you, you know, you can't, and he said you can't park there. He's like, yeah, man, next time, you, you know, I'm going to have to give you a ticket. I was like, hey, you know, you know how I do. I get real positive. Hey, you know, I'm sorry. It won't happen again. My that's my fault. He's like, yeah, you don't get the emails and all that. I'm like, nah, man, my fault. That stuff goes to my wife. You know what I mean? My bad. I was like, you know, don't worry about it. So that that'll never happen again. I'll you know make sure I just park a little bit further away or whatever and just take that walk. He's like, nah, 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 that's cool, man. He's like, you know, all that stuff goes to my wife too. So he's like, I don't really look at it, but yeah, man, just you want to be careful. You don't want to get any tickets or sometimes they'll tell you and stuff. I was like, nah, that's cool, man. And so we just had a little bit, a little small talk and. um you know, and the great thing about it is, you know, the reality is when, when police, when you have an interaction with the police, no matter how minor it is, they actually have the right, you know, to ask you for your license. You're like, hey, you know, let me just see your license. Let me see your registration, you know, uh, check you out, you know, give you a hard He could have gave me, gave me a hard time. And I just want people to understand that it's all about your attitude. I mean, you know, sometimes and many, many times, you're going to have a police officer who is just racist, right? You're going to get that. But what you guys got to understand, I'm a black male who's been, who's been pulled over, had you know, countless experiences with police, and I'm telling you this from personal experience. They're not, they're not a lot of times, well, not even a lot, this is what happens. And we got to be honest. This is where it becomes, the honesty comes into uh, play here. And I have friends who are cops. They've all said the same exact thing. You have to understand the reality of the of the black community. The reality is more often than not, okay, they're police officers. They're not there to interact with the law-abiding citizens. You know what I'm saying? Police aren't walking around looking for well-behaved, law-abiding citizens. Police officers deal with criminals. That's what they do. That's what their job is. So if you look at their job, and what they spend the vast majority of their job doing, arresting people, it's fighting crime, it's stopping bad situations from escalating, and things like that. So I'm here in Philadelphia, but, you know, it doesn't really matter where you are, Chicago, California, whatever. Any major city that you're at, you have to understand the crime in the black community, just about in every major city, is at an all-time high. You know, whether it's shootings, whether it's stabbings, whether it's muggings, whether it's rapes, burglaries, you know, these, we are, we as a community, there's a very, very, very high rate of crime. That's what, that's, these are facts. That's, and now and you see people that they say, well, you know, there's crime everywhere. There's no such thing as black on black crime. There's crime everywhere. I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course white people commit crime. But we're not talking about that. I'm saying in our community, there's a very high level of of crime, violent crimes in the black community, period. 
And so what I'm saying is because they see that as police officers every day, there's already a preset, you know, you know, a preset way of thinking that they have like, hmm, this could be a problem. You know, just like sometimes when you're walking across the street or whatever and you see someone right over there, you may clutch your bag a little bit, you know, tighter. You may lock your door. If you, I mean, you know, these are things that everyone does. You know, I told you, how people were, some people hit me up after the show and were laughing like, yo, that was a crazy story about, you know, you and the Uber. You know, I, you know my buddy being like, yo, you know, you got, you got you know, the, your gun with you because we knew it was going to be a black Uber driver. But <laughs> these are things that are real. Right, and so what we have to do is put ourselves in their shoes. A lot of us, you know, the reality. This is the reality. Have attitudes. You know, we have bad attitudes in many cases, especially when we encounter the police. In fact, I'll tell you a quick story. This happened last week. I was dropping my daughter off, and the same like they, had, I guess they rotate. Today it was a white male officer, kind of just hanging out, making sure everything flows smoothly. But then last week. It was a black woman, woman police officer. And it was weird because it was like, you know how you make eye contact with somebody? You know what I'm saying? You just say hi. It was weird. It was like she was expect she, she kind of, I was going, I made eye contact. I was going to say good morning. And she kind of looked away with an attitude. Like, I guess she, you could tell she expected me to have an attitude. So she already had that wall up, had that guard up. Like, she didn't know how she was going to have to interact with me. I was like, hey, how you doing? Good morning. You know, I was like, say good morning, Aubrey. So Aubrey said good morning. And that you, you should have saw the surprise on her face. She was like, oh, from, from just a black male standpoint to a black female standpoint, you know, that that wall that we'll probably, you know, talk about a little bit later on in the show, you know, that wall was uh, just being a black woman. She probably thought I was going to try to talk to her or something. You know what I mean? But then aside from that, just that police officer, black man wall was also up. So I just, you know, always make sure I was extra friendly, like, hey, you know, how's it going? You know, and she's like, oh, hey, good morning. She's like, oh, hey, hey, how are you doing, little girl? You know, and so then and they, her whole demeanor was different. And so what I'm trying to tell you all is that same level of surprise. I could tell that the white cop this morning was a little bit surprised that I didn't have an attitude. That's why that, that put his, he, he came at me kind of, kind of sternly. He's like, hey, man. I'm gonna get, you know, I'm, I'm gonna let you slide today, but you know, next time I'm gonna have to give you a ticket. I was like, yo, it's cool. I, was, I wanted to be like, yo, you, you don't gotta threaten me. I, my fault. I said, I already know I'm wrong. You don't gotta tell me that. I'm just telling. I, I won't do that again. You don't have to. You know what I'm saying? But it was cool because of because how I interacted with him. And I'm just saying we gotta stop putting ourselves in these situations. You know where where we are, where we become the aggressor, or where they're the aggressor, and we react to their aggression, because us reacting to their aggression based on their previous experiences, that in and of itself escalates the situation, and often leads to, you know, Sandra Bland or, you know, Trayvon Martin. Because let's be honest, we all, you know, you guys heard me do this show on Trayvon Martin. I mean, that's exactly what happened there. I mean, was George Zimmerman wrong? Okay, yeah, definitely shouldn't have followed him. But I'm pretty sure, you know, he, he came at him aggressively. Yo, what are you doing here? Da, da, da. And Trayvon Martin reacted to that, right? And then he punched him in the face. Trayvon Martin was on the ground pummeling George Zimmerman, which led to him being shot in the upward position. Trayvon Martin was shot in the chest while he was on top of George Zimmerman. 
forensic evidence shows that. And that's what the media isn't really telling you. Trayvon Martin was the aggressor in that situation, right, which led to him being shot. It's not like he chased, George Zimmerman chased him down and, he let me come here and shoot you. Nah, he was shot from an upward position. Trayvon was on top of George. You guys see how that goes? So all I'm saying is let's us not be the aggressor, or excuse me, not react to the aggression in many cases of, of racist cops, overly aggressive cops, because nine times out of ten, we're going to be the ones who, who, you know, end up on the wrong side of that. And, you know, and that is unfortunately an unpopular way of looking at things, especially in today's racial climate. But it's the, that is the perspective that's going to lead to lives being saved. See, it's crazy. Like I told you last time, people want to argue and debate about and protest about stuff after the fact. I want to help avoid stuff. I want to help stop these, these shootings. Now, watch this. This is crazy. I posted about a couple of these situations uh, over the weekend. And this is the same type of stuff that, that nobody talks about, nobody sees, but I see it all. Watch this. I had, I'm in a, you guys know I played tennis, right? I, I was in a, I'm in a tennis league. And so I'm down on, um, I'm at the, I'm, I'm in the, uh, at the, at school. I'm at Sheltonham High School. Now, if you're in Philadelphia, you know about Sheltonham, uh, you know, school district in Sheltonham Township. If you're from outside of the, or, you know, in a different state throughout the country, uh, listening in today, you know, Google, Google Sheltonham. You know, look at the demographics, look at the schools, look at, like, it's a white area. You know what I'm saying? It's a very affluent, you know, white neighborhood. Now, I'm there, you know, but that's just where I like to play. They have very nice tennis courts. I don't want to play where I live. You know, it's not, the courts aren't as nice, so I go out to Sheldon to play. And so I'm playing a buddy of mine, right? And, uh, you know, and he's, he's black. So you got two black men, we're playing tennis. Now, this is the funny thing. The cop followed me. I played her all the time. This cop, he was on his way out. He sees me pull in. He 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 circles back around and parks, and he's watching me set up. And then you know he sits there and is watching me and my buddy play tennis, which you know which is which is whatever I, you know it is what it is. And then uh, so he leaves out after a while. Now, interestingly enough, not too long after he leaves, these guys in this like this white, it's like a white Honda Accord. They come just, they were joyriding. They come speeding through the lot, doing freaking donuts in the parking lot, just stupid stuff, speeding in and out. And and this happened over the course of the whole time we were playing. So they were, like over the next hour, they're speeding around, you know what I mean, spinning all around, laughing, carrying on, probably drinking, you know. And the cop was no, I didn't see the cop like, yo, this, this would be a real bad situation. You know, if that cop sees that, or any cop sees that, in the in the, the most one of the most white neighborhoods, you know, out here, you know what I mean? And these black kids, a car for four or five black kids in one car, speeding around, and it was just a, a bad situation waiting to happen. And so what I'm saying is, we that it was amazing that you know, and just fortunately for everybody that he didn't see that, because I can already tell you that would not have ended well. And it had the potential, you know, to, for something really bad to happen. Because they were just straight niggas. Niggas doing what niggas do. You know what I mean? I'm just keeping it real with you. And me and my buddy, oh, man, look at these guys. You know what I mean? 
and just doing stupid stuff. Like, go, do, go to the hood with that. Take that back to the hood. Don't come out to the white neighborhoods and, and be joyriding through a parking lot and in on school property. That's just stupid. And we see so much stuff. We so many we see so many people doing stupid stuff, but then when they get stopped by the cops, and and, and then they want to get belligerent with the cops, and then when something happens, somebody gets shot or you know whatever happens, it's like oh my gosh, it's about race. A lot of this stuff isn't about race. It's about stupidity. It's about stupidity. I mean, in many cases. So you know, I just I just want to share that story. But watch this. Now, for those of you who followed me on uh, on Facebook and are in the Friends of the Data on Tolbert show, I posted this video in there. Now, if you guys know about Simon's Playground, you know, you're, if you're from Philly, you probably heard of it. It's not a good area, and it's not a good playground. I live not too far from Simon's Playground, and I don't even allow my kids to go to Simon's Playground. I'll drive several miles away to take my kids to the white playground just because I don't want them around these ignorant black kids on these dirty playgrounds, you know what I mean? But that's just me being real. And most of you probably do the same thing, but a lot of people, they want to, you know, they don't want to talk about that. They want, you know, but we got to keep it real. You know what I mean? <laughs> they have races, this and that, but everybody's going to the white neighborhoods. They'd rather go to the white, you know, McDonald's. They'd rather go to the white Reader's Water Rights. They'd rather go to the white playgrounds because they're better and you feel safer. You know what I'm saying? But everybody, oh my gosh, these cops are so bad. But you, you rather be with the white folks anyway when you, you know, having fun with your kids or whatever. But that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. But um, so I'm, I'm at Simon's playground, and uh, I'm not even there. I'm just like in the, in the area. But I hear these, these sirens. I'm like, yo, what's, what the heck is going on? So, so it is. So I look over. And you got, it's a football game. You know, every Saturday they have football games and stuff like that. That's usually no problem. But I look over and you see all these cop cars on the feet, on the football field. The cop cars are riding through the football field with their sirens on honking. And I see this whole big crowd of people, you know, congregating. And so I took, I, I videotaped it. And I posted the video in the, in the, in the group so you guys could see exactly what, what I was talking about. And all you see is niggas. You know what I'm saying? Like, just niggas. Evidently, it was some type of fight, uh, you know, some type of brawl, and the cops are there trying to break it up. And then you see the cops. I guess it had already congregated and carrying on, and the cops are trying to clear the area. And they took at least 15, 20, 30 minutes just trying to tell people to clear the area. They're like, yo, go home. They're honking, 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 sirens. They're yelling out the car, go home, get out of here, clear the area, clear the field. You know what I'm saying? And, and kids are just looking, standing around, wanting to see more action. And I'm just like, now now when the cop starts beating people, you know what I'm saying? When the cop starts tackling people, you know, and somebody acts belligerent and somebody ends up getting shot or tased or maced, oh, then it's, you know, it, it's a problem, right? But how many times did the cops have to say, go home, and people still stand around like they don't understand English? And I don't, you know, in many cases I blame the kids, but in other cases I blame the parents. You know, because the parents are not, you know, they have no control over the kids. And they, I mean, I was trying to say it was like a mob of just ignorant kids, bad-ass kids. And nobody wants to talk about that, man. You know, we got police out here. All this stuff is happening because no, a lot of these cases are people who, who were not raised properly by their parents. 
parents letting them do whatever they want to do, have no discipline, no authority at home. So it's just like when they encounter a real authority, you know, they don't, they don't, uh, they don't know how to act. And so, you know, my kids don't act like that. My my son is two years old. He's not even two yet, and he says thank you. You know, you know, saying look, you know, you can tell he follows directions. My daughter follows directions, has manners, and, and you don't see that these kids out here don't have any manners. And we that's the real problem for real, for real, because that's where it all starts. You know, if you're belligerent and, and have an attitude with police, well, they gonna have an attitude with you. I was at a town hall not too uh, recently, and uh. Uh, at, at my church at Enoch, it was like, you know, the police officer there. And he said, look, man, he said, look, first thing I check is, is your attitude. It was a black cop. He said, first thing I check is your attitude. He said, if you, if I pull you over and, you know, and there's an issue, I will go, he said, I will go very easy on you if you don't, if you have a positive attitude. He said, he said, but I'm being honest with you. He said, if I see an attitude or if I see you getting loud or, or not following directions or anything like that, he said, I will give you every possible ticket and, and, and prosecute you to the fullest extent of the law. He said that. He, he said there will be no breaks, there will be no leniency. He said whatever it is, he said you will get every possible ticket, you know, if you have an attitude. He said, but if you don't, he said, chances are I won't even give you a ticket. And, and think about that. Think about that level of extreme from going to getting every possible ticket to getting no tickets just because of your attitude. And that was a black cop. So imagine that imagine the extent that these white cops will go to. Does that justify a lot of the stuff that goes on? No. See people worried about justification. I'm worried about keeping it real and, and, and getting and not having to even deal with any of this stuff. But, yeah, so whether it's the kids joyriding in the Shellingham parking lot or the niggas out here fighting at Simon's playground, whatever the kid, which which is also, real quick, there's a rec center attached to the playground. A couple of years ago, some, some guys walked in and shot up the uh, the, the actual the rec center, you know, and so and a kid was, was killed. You know, this is the type of stuff that happens, man. You know, there were no marches. There were no protests outside of, of Simon's or anything like that. But because why? Because it was it was, you know, it was it was nigga stuff. Right? That's what happens. that's what happens. Another thing I was gonna talk about real quick briefly, then we can get into some entertainment news and some ask it on advice questions. I was watching um uh Vlad T V. I don't know if you guys watch Vlad T V or whatever, but uh you know, he has a lot of interviews and you know he's usually right there in the midst of whatever's going on in hip hop, you know, at that moment he was you know, they were talking about the uh the beef between the game and, and, and Meek Mill and, you know, that whole situation. And uh you know, and AR Ab was on there. Now if you guys aren't from Philly you probably don't know who AR Ab is, but you know, he's a local rapper and hustler, who knows what else. But uh they rap about guns and drugs and things like that. You know, and they're, they're known for keeping it, keeping it quote unquote real. And you know, on on the interview with with DJ Vlad, it was, you know, he was asking him like, "Yo, you know, what do you think about uh, what do you think about this whole beast thing? You know, what what do you think about it? Like, what, what's your thoughts?" And he was saying, "Look, man," he said, "I don't, I don't get it." He's like, "Are y'all beefing? Or are y'all not beefing?" 
He's like, because if y'all be, if y'all beefing, you know, and you from Philly, he said, nobody fights in Philly. He said, it's all about the guns. You know, he said, it's all about the guns. He said, if, if, if it's a problem, then these guys are going straight to the, they're shooting, they're not fighting. He's like, game is talking about fighting people and this and that. He said, but, you know, if you from Philly, ain't nobody talking, ain't nobody fighting. It's, you know, they're just shooting. And I'm just listening like, wow. It's, I, you know, it was, it was sad because of how true that is. And these are real guys. These are guys from the streets. And I, and I, I posted that video because I wanted people who aren't in the midst of, you know, the hood to really see, you know, how true that stuff is, how, how uh, prevalent gun violence is. You know, back in the days you had a problem with somebody, you know, you might fight or whatever. That was that. But nah, now it's just like they're shooting. You know, and, and, and cops know, just like they know that the thugs know it, the police know that too. So they're automatically going into these situations thinking we're about to have a shootout or there's going to be a gun a gun battle. You know, were they wrong for, for you know, shooting and killing Tamir Rice? You know, could that situation have been handled differently? You know, absolutely. You know, but the re- but you got to put yourself into that mindset. There are that that mindset was was birthed from reality. No, Tamir Rice wasn't a gangbanger. No, he wasn't there trying to shoot anybody. Although he was pointing the gun at people walking by, acting like he was shooting people. But that you know what I'm saying? He he was not that. But do how does how do the police know toy gun? from maybe their last call from an hour ago or a couple hours ago or a couple of days ago where they actually walked into an active gang gang shootout where the 12 year instead of a 12-year-old boy playing around, it was a 12-year-old boy, you know, actually trying to kill somebody. You, know, you see what I'm saying? Like, that's the reality. You go down to West Philly, South Philly, wherever you live, down, you know, the worst part of your neighborhood, you know, it's the same thing. And so we as a community, I've said this before, I'll continue saying it, we got to stop, you know, stop the foolishness. We got to stop the gangs. We got to stop the violence. You know, it, it's so bad out here. It's it's so bad out here. You know, I can't, I cannot stress enough how it's like, a, it's like the wild, wild west out here. Everybody has guns. You say the wrong thing to the wrong person, you're shot dead. You know, you can look in these young men's eyes. And, and, you know, literally, and you can tell, if you say the wrong thing to them, they will shoot you. That's not, you know, that has nothing to do with race. That has nothing to do with police. It has to do with a sense of hopelessness. You know, and a lot of times, you know, you hear people wanting to focus on, it's not that we shouldn't acknowledge it, but you see people wanting to focus on, the the you know the system and the government and the environment that they have created for us that that breeds a lot of this violence and and it absolutely the lack of funding for schools and I mean so many other things you know that they have specifically and purposely instituted into our community to keep us oppressed and to cause us have a higher rate of violence but at some point we have to take responsibility for our own actions. You know what I mean? Like, like you know me, I could, I have kids, I have a wife, I have a family, but if I fell on hard times, you know, I had no other way of feeding my family, 
I'm still not going to resort to robbing you. I'm not, you guys listen to my show. I'm not going to invite you somewhere. You know what I'm saying? And then, hey, you want to come hear me speak or you want to do this and then try to stick you up for your money. Like, I'm not going to do that no matter how bad things get. You know, and that's that's what a lot of stuff is going on out here. These people are robbing and scheming, breaking into homes, killing people, inviting you over, robbing you. Like, and you, you, you want to blame the government for that? Come on. Come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's stop the... Let's stop the foolishness. So, but yeah, man, I wanted to, um, like I said, that video, check it out. It's on my page if you guys didn't get a chance to see it because, like I said, I, I watch a lot of this stuff to know what's going on in the hood, you know. So I, I, I've been listening to uh, the game. I've been following the Meek Mill situation. And, you know, a lot of this stuff, man, you know, is, uh, you know, it's real. It's not, it's not right. It's not wrong. It's, you know, it just is what it is. You know, we have to change the mentality. I mean, they're talking about killing each other. They're not. This isn't like a hip-hop. They're really talking about, like, yo, when I see you, like, game's talking about when I see you, I'm going to knock you out. Meek Miller's saying, okay, you put some hands on me, I'm shooting you. So it's like, this is real beef right here. You know, and so people, a lot of people don't understand. They think, oh, no, it's just hip-hop stuff. No, I mean, it's a lot deeper than that. Yeah, I was watching The Breakfast Club, and they got, I don't know if you saw a game on The Breakfast Club, he the dude, Wack 100, his manager, is showing Charlemagne pictures of the, some of the game's goons outside of, I don't know if it was Meek Mill's house or outside of a Sean Kingston's house, but posted up outside the crib, like, yo, what's up? Do you want me to, you want me to shoot up the house? You want me to go in there? Like, and he's like, nah, chill, chill, chill. This is like real stuff. Like, watch, watch these interviews. You'll see what's up going on. What's going on in the world? Uh, last Last week, the Emmys, you know, we had the Emmys. You know, and I did, I think I, I don't do a lot of Emmy specials. I do, I usually do the uh, MTV Awards, the Super Bowl, the Grammys, the Oscars. The Emmys are, you know, they are just what they are. I mean, it's the same type of stuff, but I kind of just let that one go. But one of the things I want to talk about in regards to uh, these celebrities, I haven't had a lot of celebrity news to discuss that I, that I felt like discussing. But uh, one thing that did that did stand out that was interesting to me was uh, Brad and Angelina uh, divorcing. Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt uh, have announced that they are, you know, divorcing. They're separated. And, um, you know, it's interesting because, <clears throat> now, again, I'm not into the whole I predicted this, you know, but you guys have, if you guys have been around, I know many of you have since we started. They were what that situation, because I remember when when he was Brad Pitt was dating Jennifer Aniston, you know I remember when they stopped dating and then him and Angelina Jolie became a couple. I remember discussing, you know how you know interesting that because I don't judge these people, but it's like okay that's interesting, you know, and I I remember thinking I remember saying. I, that, that's not going to last. That's not something that's going to be forever. You know, when you subtract, and they were talking all this crazy stuff, I said, when you, when you subtract the relationship and the presence of Jesus Christ in your relationship, that coupled with, you know, infidelity and, and you know, creeping around and doing different things, you know, that is not how you base a, a foundation, you know, of a marriage that's going to last forever. And then on top of that, 
when you listen to what we talk about here as far as, you know, how to know when a man is really feeling you, how to know, how to know you know, when he really loves you, and, you know, you look at the amount of time that they were together, you know, and everybody's different. I'm not, you know, what, what you do is what you do. What I say is, is very rarely it's ever wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like when you look at how long they were together, what, 10 years prior to getting married, how many times have you guys heard me say that's probably not going to last? Like that's actually the the foundation for disaster, you know, and, and a very good uh, indicator of, uh, you know, of when a man is not really viewing you as the woman he wants to spend the rest of his life with. You know, guys, you guys understand, I don't care if it's Brad Pitt, I don't care if it's the guy that you're dealing with. You know, if he, if a man loves you and he sees a future with you, he's going to take, he's going to identify you in that way and he's going to go ahead and uh, and wife you up. You know, I mean, and I say that figuratively, figuratively and literally. He's going to wife you up. You know, he's not going to take 10 years. He's not going to take five years. And if he does, nine times out of ten, it's because he's not 100% sure that that's where he wants to be, that you are where he wants to be. So, you know, I wish them both the best. Um, you know, speaking of uh, relationships, I was watching this, uh, it was this video, and it was just talking about, it was showing a lot of the positive black television shows, and it was like the top black couples from, you know, in, in te- black television history, and they had, you know, uh, di- you know, different world. Dwayne Wayne on there. They had uh, Family Matters. Uh, you know, who else was on? I don't even remember everybody who was on there, but it was just like, you know, obviously the Cosbys and uh, the Wayans, the Damon Wayans, and uh, Tisha Campbell, Martin, and Gene and all. I mean, and the reality it was, it was like some of it was comedy. You know, you had the Fresh Prince, uh, Will Smith on there. And I just asked, I posed a question, really a rhetorical question, you know, but I said, what happened all of this great black television? You know, I mean, really, just really think about it. Like, when you sit down, you're like, wow, I want to watch some good TV. Like, I'm watching these white shows. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm watching some of these dramas, you know, like different things on Showtime or HBO. Like, there's not really that, like, wow, I can't wait to, to Thursday nights, you know, Cosby show, a different world. I can't wait for that. You know, the, you know, even or or Fridays, you know, with Family Matters. Now it's just like, all right, you got Love and Hip Hop. You know, you you guys don't seem like you guys have to understand that these are things that are done very strategically. You know, you don't just have all of these black, positive black families. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, you have zero black, positive black families, and, and all dysfunction. You don't, that, you don't, that doesn't happen by accident. It's kind of like if you look back at, you know, white television, they've had, they've had a formula, and they've stuck with that formula. You know, you had your, your, your white comedy. Back in the day, it was Friends, 30 million viewers every, every week. You had Seinfeld. You know, those are the biggest comedy. Then you had your your dramas, you know, so whether it's Knight Rider or Hunter, you know, a lot of people don't remember that. But, you know what I'm saying, you had, you know, your, your MacGyver, uh, Diagnosis Murder, your Murder She Wrote. Like you had your, 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 you know what I'm saying, now you have 
NCIS. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like MacGyver is, is back. You guys see what I'm saying? You you have the 24, whatever it is. You have the exciting dramas. People are going to watch it. Then you have your medical dramas. You know, you go back, you had ER. You know, before you had, what, Hill Street Blues and ER, uh, Chicago Hope, right? Now you have a Chicago Fire, Chicago Med, Law and Order SVU. You know, uh, there's so many different. It's, it's different shows, but it's still the same types of shows. You got your comedies, you got your dramas, right? Why? Because that's a successful recipe. You know, because white people like what they like, and they will have always liked that. That's the you know what I'm saying. That's just what it is. You're always going to have white family sitcoms because that's what's in the white community. You have white families, so they want to watch things that they can relate to. That's never going to change. That formula for success on television and movies is never going to change. But when you look at the black community, we have actually changed. Back in the day, my family, this is still my family. My family looked like the Cosby Show family. My father was there. My mom was there. I had brothers. I had sisters. You know what I'm saying? Like that, I could relate to that. A lot of black families could relate to that back in the day, right? I mean, you could. You you could relate to a different world. You can relate to going to college. I went to college. My brother went to college. You know what I'm saying? You could relate to that. Sister went to college. So you could relate to going to college. A lot of people could. You could relate to having seeing positive families around you. So that's why they put them put those images on TV. And even even in even on good times. Whether you, you had some rich families like the colleges or you had many poor families. But either way, you had a family. You see how that works? You still had a family that loved each other. But now you, you don't see as much of that in the black community. So why are you going to keep putting it on TV? These people are in the business to make money. They're going to put the images on TV that they know that we can relate to. If they know for a fact that there aren't that many black positive, you know, black families still intact, you're not going to keep coming out with shows like Blackish. I mean, yeah, that's there, but that'll be off the air in a, you know, a few years. And I'd be very surprised if they replaced it with anything similar. Now, after that, you're going to start seeing more and more, you know, Stevie J and Jocelyn. A little scrappy and whoever, you know what I'm saying? All that type of stuff. Uh, Ray J and his whole thing that he has going on, running back and forth through these different women. I mean, every look at I mean, just look at every single one. You know, more homosexual stuff. You saw the homosexual storyline uh, incorporated into uh, you know Love and Hip Hop last year. You're gonna start seeing more and more of that stuff because why? Because that's what we can relate to. You see what I'm saying? I mean, they, you look at you look at uh, they just had the BET Awards, excuse me, BET Hip Hop Awards, uh, with tapes. I believe it's going to be airing in October. But you know, I mean, that's the type. It's just ghetto crap. Ghetto crap. That's what we we see. And then we and, and people say, well, you know, why do you have such a problem with Black Lives Matter? I'm like, what? Black Lives Matter? I mean, to who? You know what I'm saying? Because even the stuff that we that's like your personal trainer, or someone coming to personally train you, you know, in fitness, but they're a fat slob. Right? What can you teach me about personal fitness 
if you're putting all this negativity into your body, milkshakes every day, McDonald's, you want to train me? And that's the same thing like that Black Lives Matter. Like, how are we trying to project that Black Lives Matter when our role models and the people that we put in positions of power and influence are negative? We're talking about let's stop the violence, but the most popular black entertainers rap about violence. You know what I'm saying? Black Lives Matter, but we're encouraging. We have female musicians who are encouraging sex amongst our young women. So it's just like, come on, man, we're we're hypocrites. We're saying Black Lives Matter. We want Black Lives Matter to cops, but we kill each other every single day. That's that's how I feel. I'm like, I, you will never hear me say that because I wouldn't. I can't say that and speak for our people until. Cause like, imagine if I said that to a white person. If I'm like, yo, we, you guys got to respect this. Black Lives Matter. They gonna be like, they do. What's up? Like, why y'all killing each other then? Because that's what I used to. I used to. I used to work in corporate America. And I used to be embarrassed if the news would come on or if a newspaper was laying around and they talked about all the violence. They would look at me like, that. those are your people. Like, they know it's not me because I'm not like that, but they'd be like, yo, those are, those are your people. And what could I say? No, it's not. Like, I just had to sit back like, yeah, you're right. You know what I'm saying? We got to do better. So, I mean, that's just how I feel, man. We got to. You know, we got to get back to supporting positivity, you know, supporting black music, positive black music, supporting black films, you know, supporting black entrepreneurship. You know, you tell somebody, hey, you know, I got a new job. It's like, oh, great. Let's go out to eat. Let's go celebrate. You know, and tell somebody, hey, guess what? I started my own business. They look at you like you're crazy. Wait, but what you mean? You're You're not working no more? Yeah, I'm working. I'm working my own business. Like, oh, why? Why well, ain't got no money to loan you? It's like, what? Like, th- these are the types of conversations, these are the types of looks that people give you in in the black community. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but I just be looking like, oh, why? You know, so it is what it is, man. You know, I, like I said, I want to do a little bit of ass state on advice hour today and then and get up out of here. Sorry, it's already been an hour. I only wanted to be on the air for an hour. Guess that went out the window. But um, let me, a couple things. I had a really great time this week. I want to give a shout-out to uh, to uh, the ladies of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated here in the uh, Philadelphia area. I was invited to uh, moderate a uh, a relationship forum on, uh, at their uh, it was the Kids Summit. Kids Summit 2016, where, you know, I, I discussed the topic of is chivalry dead? And, you know, in and, and, and doing, you know, that topic, and, and that's a topic you guys have heard here on this show many times, um, but as you know, you can't talk about is chivalry dead without talking about, first, without first defining what it is, what what is chivalry? And, uh, you know, so I was talking to, you know, young girls, you know, the girls are like maybe, you know, you know, high school, you know, 14, 15. And it was cool because, you know, I'm used to talking to adults, but talking to them, it was like they were just experiencing this stuff for the first time. Like they were just, you know, beginning the dating process, many of them. Um, you know, they and they, many of them expressed certain red flags that they had seen. And it was really good to give advice 
from a preventive standpoint. Because, you know me, I give advice, I, I counsel, but the vast majority of women that I counsel are adults who are like, you know, 30, 35, 40, who have already made the mistakes, who have already experienced this stuff. So whereas with these young girls, it was cool because it was like, yo, like when I say keep your legs closed, they didn't just look at me like, mm-hmm, whatever, you should have told me that 20 years ago. Nah, they're looking like, oh, okay, like, wow, yeah, I'm going to do that. And I, and I see why it's important for me to do that, to avoid a lot of this stuff. And I, and I told them, like, oh, I said, a lot of these people I counsel are 20 years older than you guys. I said, you guys have the opportunity right now to not make a lot of those same mistakes. And, you know, and these are the qualities that you want to look for in a man. You know, so you don't have to deal with these knuckleheads. And it was really great. It was just really because I hadn't done that in a while. I hadn't, like I said, I do a lot of speaking uh, engagements and, and things like that, but it's usually for a much older crowd, which so uh, this was very refreshing. You know, we all we talked about sex. We talked about uh, friends with benefits situations. You know, and it was also unfortunate to hear, like, some of these girls, they, you know, they were having sex, you know, at, you know, 13 years old, at 14 years old. Some of them were juniors, sophomores seniors in high school. I mean, these are girls, you know, they're having sex. And and so they could relate to a lot of stuff I was saying, like, if, you know, if he's, you know, not showing interest or if he's acting one way, but in other times not really acting like he wants to commit, you know, I'm like, that's because you're letting him smash. That's because you're, you know, you're, you are allowing him to have his cake and eat it too. And so, um, it was it was cool because a lot of them you could tell that either they were going to not do certain things or they were going to stop doing certain things. And it was also good because it wasn't just females. There was a couple guys in there who were actually pretty cool, you know, sixteen year old, seventeen year old boys who were cool about where they were in life. Like one guy had a had a girlfriend and he was expressing what he saw in her and what he likes about her, what he doesn't like about her. Another guy kind of seemed like he was more of in that player stage. You know, just kind of doing him, and you know, and I and I and it, was, it was weird too because I I got a chance to tell him about marriage. You know, I asked him the first question. One of the first questions I asked was, uh, you know, how many of y'all want to be married? And uh, and they were like, just about everybody. I was like, uh, I was like, what? No, a lot of, actually, the women, the girls wanted to be married, but the guys were just looking crazy. I was like, yo, what's up? Like, why do y'all feel that? And it was crazy because so many of these young kids have had have seen and have had so many negative experiences around them with with people married and in long term relationships, it just totally turned them off to the idea of marriage. And I had to tell them, I said, yo, you know, marriage itself I said, I'm married, you know, I said marriage is not the problem. Marriage is not a bad thing. In fact it's a great thing. I said, but it's about being married to the right person. You know, you choose the right person. That's going to determine whether or not, you know, you're happy. And so it was cool. It was just really cool, um, you know, getting a chance to talk to them. Um, I, You know, we talked about, you know, how men view women, you know, as far as the two categories, um, you know, either just sex, you know, or, or as a potential wife. You know, and uh, a lot of women, they don't, they don't, you know, they haven't been told that before. They don't understand. They think there's some type of, gray area, you know, a friendship area, this this, uh, let's take it slow area. And, you know, it's really not that. You know, if a guy is interested in you, he's going to show you he's interested in you, and he's eventually going to wipe you up sooner rather than later. Um, If there's any inconsistencies, 
that's just not the man for you. You're not going to grow into, you know, him loving you or wanting to be with you over the course of five to ten years. That's just not how it goes. And um, so that was that was pretty cool. So um, so that I mean, that was, so again, shout out to uh, the ladies of Zeta Phi Beta, you know, for doing the kids summit. You know, I was actually invited. A few of them enjoyed it so much. I was invited to another uh, program going on, I believe, over at the temple on Temple's campus uh, coming up. So hopefully I'll get a chance to participate in that. And, um, you know, and you you too, guys. You know, I do a lot of speaking. You know, shoot me an email. If you want me to come out and speak, you know, or do an event or anything like that, you can send all uh, inquiries to info at trctoday.com uh, or askdaydine at Gmail. And, uh, you know, we can make that happen. I wanted to do a couple uh, ask state on advice questions before I got up out of here because I've been holding on to, you know, to these for a little while because I haven't got a chance to, um, you know, to do them. There's been so much else to talk about, so much going on, but I want to take a few minutes to uh, shed some light on uh, this one situation uh, from a young, uh, a young married woman asking for advice. She says, uh, what are your thoughts? I need your advice on a situation. I was crazy about this older dude in high school. Yes, I was young. He was feeling me on an emotional and mental level, also all about the sex. I wasn't giving up the cookies in high school, so we never actually dated. Now, let me just let me just stop right there for a minute. She says, he was feeling me on an emotional and mental level, but he was all about sex, so we never dated. Now, does anyone see a problem with that? That's an oxymoron right there. If if he if if he was all about the sex, which led to you guys never actually and technically dating, well then guess what? He wasn't feeling you on an emotional and mental level. He was interested on a sexual level, and that's the problem. A lot of women confuse a man being interested in them sexually with feeling them on an emotional and mental level, two very different things, right? So, and, and, you know, a man, and you not, ladies, understand, and this is, and this is something that we, we got into with the kids. A lot of these kids, they think that if a man is, is, is going to be interested in you and is going to stay interested in you, that he has to be getting the sex, which is totally false, okay? You don't, you don't ladies, you don't have to put out. You don't have to give up the, 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 you know, the sex for a man to be interested in you and to stay interested in you. In fact, doing so will actually eliminate just about any chances of, of him being interested in you. You got to not give up the sex. You got to chill. You, you do have to keep those legs closed. You know, not doing so is the type of thing that's going to remove interest and put you into the sex category as opposed to the wife category. So I just want to stop there on that first paragraph, though. So she says, anyway, he took me through some things, and I promised myself that I would not subject myself to that type of emotional pain ever again with him. Now, and I don't want to keep stopping, but, but really look at this. This is so indicative of what goes on. This is, she says, I wasn't giving up the cookies in high school, so we never technically dated. She then says, but then he took me through some things. Well, ladies, think about that for a second. 
how does a man take you through things if you never actually or technically dated? That's where we get in. That's called friends with benefits. That's called just, you know, Netflix and chill. And But remember, you can never Netflix and chill. You can never, you know, a man can't take you through some things without getting some things. You know, it's called sex. You see how that works? If you never technically dated, why are you dealing with him on it? Why are you letting him smash if you're not even technically dating? If he's not even your boyfriend, why are you having sex with him? Back in the day, and I remember this is when I, not even back in the day, like when I was dating, I'm not that old. Back in the day, like that, it was almost understood. Like if you wanted sex, I mean, yeah, whatever the relationship might have been fake or whatever, you know, that's how men had to go ahead and play that role, whatever, which is not right, you know, but at least it's like y'all were together. You know, back in the day, men knew they either had to be with you or pretend to be with you to get the sex. Now women, now that's not even a requirement. Now women don't even require men to have, to have a relationship with them. It's like, look, fine. You don't want to be with me? Cool, but let's just get it in. How, how can you expect, ladies, a man to respect you if you're giving up the ass with no commitment? And I'm just, I got to be blunt. I got to be, like, I got to ask that question. Because so many women out here think that that's possible. They think they they can allow themselves to be a man's jump off, a a man's personal Friday night booty call, and he still respects you and treats you like a queen. And I just, I don't understand how that would ever be the case. You know what I mean? It's not ever going to happen. So, you know, it says, so uh, he took me through some things. And I promised myself I would not subject myself to that type of emotional pain. And that's the thing. A lot of women say, well, you know what? That the irony is that many women have been hurt, right? So they say, you know what? Fine, we don't have to have a relationship. I don't want a relationship. I'm not looking for a relationship. We can just do what we do. So I'm, gonna, I'm, not, I'm just going to, you know, be into this on a physical level and not a sexual, excuse me, not an emotional level to guard my heart. But you see how well that worked out for her, right? <laughs> she says that, you know, he took me through some some emotional pain. But if you're guarding your heart by not even getting into a relationship, why would there be emotional pain? Why? Because you can't do that. Anytime you, it's called a soul tie. Soul ties will always bring emotional pain. It says, so he graduated and went away, and I was still in school. He graduated. Even after he graduated, we still communicated. However, when I went off to college, I cut off all communication. I moved on and wanted to leave the past in the past. She says, okay. The other day while I was online, he sent me a message saying hello. I'm not the rude type, so there was small talk at first. He then brings up the fact that he was a little bitter that I didn't reach out to him when he left for college. He kept saying that he knew I was, that he was a better man by the time I went to college and that he could have made me happy. But by that point, I didn't give him the opportunity to do so. He said that it wasn't about the sex or the fact that he never got it and he wanted to be in a real relationship with me. But I completely shut him out. He said some other things too, like he still regrets not giving us a try and he's still living with that mistake. I was honest and I told him, that he caused me so much pain 
that I didn't want to relive the past or try to fix the past. What's done is done. Now, let me just stop right there for a quick second. This is a very, and Beyonce has done a really good job of, you know, brainwashing young black women with this oh-so-ridiculous, you know, belief that men are out here, you know, 10 years, 15 years, five years later, you know, with all this type of regret. It's like, oh, my gosh, you know, I I, I, I messed up so bad, and I, I should have put a ring on it, and I should have did this and that, and it's like, come on. You know, irreplaceable to the left, to the like all that stuff is giving women this this these these ridiculous expectations of what men do. You know, ladies, you guys, and I'm just gonna be blunt. I'm just gonna be honest with you. These men don't care. Okay, and what I mean by that is, like I told you, there are two categories. So there's the sex category, someone who's just gonna smash. And then there's the emotional category, the potential wife category. And a lot of the women are being put into the sex category. And so, you know, you do what you do on a sexual level, and that's it. You guys got to understand, these men compartmentalize that, okay? They compartmentalize the sex. So if, you're, if it's just about the sex, when the sex fizzles away and the relationship ends or whatever y'all were doing ends, that's that. There is no, I miss you. There is no, I'm going to cry myself to sleep at night thinking about you. I'm going to look you up 10 years later because you're the one that got away. Come on, ladies. No, it's, you're not the one that got away. It's, you got away because he didn't want you. And that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It just means that man didn't want you. That doesn't mean anybody, somebody else won't want you. It just means that he did not want you. So don't don't believe all this foolishness about, oh, you know, you know he, he's he's going to, he's, been thinking about you all this time, all these years, you know, and I just wanted to see, I just wanted to hopefully want women to see that, you know, it's not at all the way it is. That's not how it, that's not how men think. Uh, Many years ago, I did a special on the emotions of black men, you know, definitely check that all time classic out because I got, I went into, you know, why men cry, you know, who, how do you get into the heart and emotions of a man, what kind of woman it takes to tap into that emotional side of a man. And it's not, you know, it's not everybody. So she goes on to say, well, the next day he gave me his number and I asked him why. I told him straight up I wasn't going to call him. Well, I think he got offended and he said something like, we're adults, I'm not trying to get with you. You're married and I'm married. What's the harm in just talking? I told him uh, once again that I didn't mind saying hello or how are you every now and then, but I wouldn't be calling or texting because there was some resentment and I didn't want to have the conversation with him about our past history. Okay, he hasn't sent me a chat message in about a week. Uh, She said that, she said, the other day I checked my Facebook messages and he's emailing me poems. She says, what the heck? What do I do or say without being mean or do I just ignore the poems? What do you all make of this situation? Should I bring this up to my husband or should I just let it all go away? I don't think I did anything wrong, did I? Now, now here's the, this is, the whole husband thing is, like, is a whole another, you know, another thing. 
I've done a lot of shows, guys, over 2,000 shows, probably more than that. One of my favorite shows of all time was, actually, and I did this show twice. I did it, you know, maybe about six years ago, uh, and then I did it again last year, and it was a special on resentment, okay, how to overcome hurt, pain, and resentment. And I, I, I used Beyonce's song, Resentment, as a as a uh, model to to really define and discuss, you know, what kind of hurt, pain, and resentment goes on out here. Definitely check out that show. Just Google resentment on the Data on Tolbert show, and uh, both of them should come up actually. You know, but which and, and here's the the thing. She says, I didn't want to talk because there's still some resentment. You know, now here and but then she goes on to say she's married. And so you guys got to understand, you guys put two and two together, that is the foundation of emotional unavailability, right? Have resentment from a past relationship, right, and then expect someone to love you and, and, and that relationship to, to, to flourish and prosper. You have to heal first, you know. And so she said, she's out here having this guy popping up calling her, texting her, you know, and doing different things, but she has a husband. So not only is he disrespecting her, but he's disrespecting her husband as well as her relationship. You know, and, you know, what? one of the things that we as men look for in a wife is someone who is emotionally available, you know, someone who is, uh, you know, free of any hurt, pain, resentment, you know, negativity, baggage, you know. And so once we see that, then those are the types of things that real men, the best men, look for in a wife. And we go ahead and wife you up. But, you know, she not only has hurt, pain, and resentment based on this situation with someone that she was never even with, which really goes to show you how strong soul ties can be, right? Because, I mean, you know, if you're talking about a soul, if you're talking about you know, 10 years, 15, 20 years prior, someone that you've never had a relationship with but just had sex with, but yet you still have resentment about that situation, that's, you know, that's a pretty strong, a pretty strong soul tie there. So you you just got to, you know, I, if hopefully she can get this guy out of her life completely, just kind of tell him, like, look, you know, do not contact me anymore, um, leave me alone. I don't want to be bothered, and you know, and, and be honest with your husband because the worst thing that could happen is for your husband to, you know, find out about this in, in a way that you didn't tell him. That's going to be very bad for that young woman. So I would say just um, eliminate him, you know, completely, and that way you don't have to worry about, you know, any of You don't have to worry about anything. You can just focus on healing because that's something that should have been done, you know, from the very beginning. So, guys, I'm I'll go ahead and uh, I'm actually going to wrap it up a little bit uh a little bit early today. Um like I said I I just had some things I wanted to get off my chest. Hopefully like I told you earlier, hopefully everybody tunes into tonight's debate. Um you know, definitely you know, I gave you the bullet points and the talking points to 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 look out for that way you can watch the the uh debate with with some objective, you know, an objective to really understand where Hillary Clinton is coming from, you know, with these emails, what her policy is on certain things and how that meshes with, 
with, with, with how you feel spiritually and politically. Uh, you know, and just put you don't don't just God doesn't forget about you. You know what I'm saying? So I don't believe ever. You know, like even when we do bad things or whenever God never forgets about us. So why would we forget about him when it comes to who to vote for or to vote at all for a particular candidate? Why is every other issue more important than issues that are important to God? You see what I'm saying? It's crazy. Like, you don't even hear people talking about spiritually based. Like, all right, well, you're a Christian. You say you're a Christian, but how do you feel about homosexuality? How do you feel about abortion? How do you feel about, you know, transgender stuff, like all this stuff that God is, is not of God, but you're supporting, you know, like, okay, so I'm still going to support you even though you support something that God doesn't support? Like, oh, okay. I know I wouldn't, but so many other quote-unquote Christians do, and I just I want people to think about that stuff. So there's that. You know, think about the whole Donald Trump stuff, you know. See, I'm sure they're going to talk about the racism and the inciting violence and all this stuff. See how he bonds to that. If it's a, in a way that you're comfortable with, cool. If not, you know, then, then fine. If he gets up there and says, F all you niggers, then, then, then I could be like, all right, cool, you probably, you're racist or, you know, or, or something along those lines. But, you know, Hillary Clinton has said a lot of racially charged things over the years. I mean, it's just amazing that people have forgotten about him. But, uh, you know, calling, calling people uh, super predators, and you know what I mean? You need to be brought to heel. But, we, you know, we just got to get out of, like I said, being brainwashed uh, by the media, influ- heavily influenced by the media, and um, hopefully everybody uh, enjoys it. You guys have uh, Ask Daydon advice questions you want to send to me. You can send them to askdaydon at trctoday.com. And, um, you know, I'll be back maybe a little bit later on in the week, maybe the weekend, and, uh, you know, we'll keep it moving. Uh, one last thing, too, if, if you guys, you know, want any type of uh, counseling, I'm doing my fall special free emotional availability assessment. You know, uh, everything is 50% off. Do a free, free uh, assessment with you to start off the process. Just kind of because, you know, nobody wants to go into the holidays, you know, alone. Nobody wants to, um, you know, be without love on New Year's, and so if that's your goal, uh, 855-55-DAY-DON or uh, info at trctoday.com. All right, guys, well, thanks for listening, and I will see you next time.